Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. There. Okay. Turn yourself on. Easy. Take it easy. So again, good morning. Glad you guys are with us here online as well as in person. Uh, a lot of things that we're going to kind of lean into this morning. You know, last week in our discussion afterwards, there was a comment, <laughs> and I won't mention any names, but everyone's here, so you'll know who you are. Uh, but there was this, uh, just in almost jest, I hope Sam's going to share something hopeful. <laughs> so I thought about that this week, and, and I hope so too. Um, but we are going to be talking about what is the good news this morning and leaning into that. We just finished the book of Exodus, and so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. And what I asked everybody here this morning in person, and I want to kind of throw out to those who are watching, is what is something that you saw on the news, or maybe not even just what you saw on the news, maybe something that you've experienced, um, something you encountered. Uh, My son was driving and he has a dash cam, and he was there when uh, a car, the light turned green for them, they started driving out, and a semi came and ran a red light and smashed into the car who was right in front of him. And he watched all that. And it's kind of interesting. My son is always there on those kinds of moments, right? It's like those things never happen to me, but it always happens to him. And so he was there, and we talked about it, just those kinds of things. What I want to ask is, what did this event, this news, this situation make you feel? What was the emotional response you had to this situation with my son and this truck driving? Because he had the dash cam, he stayed, asked if the people were okay. When the police came, the truck driver said, oh, the light was, you know, just turning, it was green, it was turning yellow. And then my son said, well, I've got this, and it showed positively it was green, right? So change that guy's day. Um, But what does it evoke in you, the emotional response to these things? So think about that as we're going to get started right now. And let's pause and let's pray. Father, it is our desire to invite you into every aspect of our lives, to be open to how you are working, to what you are doing, and allow the reality of who you are to invade the reality that we live in. That there would not be a divide between the sacred and the secular, that it is all your world that we are in, 
and that we are experiencing, that we move and have our being. And our prayer this morning is that you would awaken these things within us, allow the conversation to move us towards you, and allow you in turn to speak into our hearts, our minds, and our lives. And we do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of announcements just as we get started. Um, Gil wanted me to let you know that all the tithe receipts for 2022 have either been mailed out or hand-delivered. If you haven't received your receipt, please let us know, and we'll get it out to you as soon as possible. Also, if you've received your receipt and there's a discrepancy or you have questions about it, please let us know, and we will review and or correct it if necessary. Um, We did have one eagle eye catch an error on our part, and it was corrected, so thank you to that eagle eye, whoever you are. A couple of other things. Uh, I know some of you who get the prayer email saw that there is a prayer for Joanne Jimenez. Uh, Joe sent a request in. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and she's scheduled to have surgery at San Antonio this upcoming Monday. So we want to be praying that that surgery goes well and the cancer is removed. We also want to continue praying for Shannon, uh, Ted and Margie's daughter, I just received a, a text from Ted this morning, and they are going to go through uh, with the tracheotomy so that they can get the um, ventilator off and hopefully make her more comfortable. As many of you know, uh, Shannon is special needs, and it's very difficult to see her in this condition, and they're hoping that this will help ease some of the pain and allow her to be with them. Uh, longer. They are hoping that she can stay and get the care she needs there at the hospital, um, or at least find a facility that is able to care for her adequately in her condition. And so be praying for them to find that. Uh, They said that they are doing good. They feel the warmth of everyone's prayer. What do they say? We appreciate you, the brothers and sisters of Genesis, praying for us and for Shannon. And so we want to continue praying for them as well as for Joanne. In fact, let's pause and pray. And also for Mary, uh, a nephew, your nephew. So let's pray for these people who are in need. God, we lift up Bryant, we lift up Joanne, we lift up Shannon and the family. Lord, our hearts go out to them and the family who are suffering. Lord, we desire for healing to take place. We desire for the ease and comfort from the pain. Lord, we desire for the cancer to be removed and for family to have their loved ones with them longer. Lord, we entrust all these concerns to you. We know that you are concerned for us. And however you work, Lord, may you work and be evident in that work in the lives of all these people who we love and care for. Again, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So even with the news of these people that we're praying for, and I asked you at the beginning of a news story or event that has stood out to you this week, does anyone want to share? Just shout out what story maybe you've heard that sparked an emotional response. 
for those who are watching online, Mary encountered a person uh, who was sleeping on the sidewalk when she was going to get something to eat, and it struck her. And, and those are the things that I, I'm trying to get is how you felt, right? It was just that emotional response. And any other news stories that stood out for you? Yes. Yeah, the Tyree Nichols. Yeah, that's just horrific, right? Anyone else see or hear that story? How did you feel when you saw that video, if you saw the video or when you heard it? What were some of the emotional responses you had? Helpless, sick, hopeless. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, anger, frustration, these things happening again, right? I saw an article uh, that said that Russia was forcing Ukrainian children into adoption. And that struck me. Uh, it just grieved me. It made me hurt. You know, I felt uh, just that sadness. And then I felt a frustration because I wonder if the things I read are true. I have to like read five things to find out if the one thing is true. And so I felt a little frustration, right? And, and those things. Um, anyone else? Any other stories? Randy threw. Well, go ahead. Yeah, another shooting. So another frustrated shooting, mass shooting. There's been a few in our area recently. Randy sent me an article talking about Apple and how it took them three years to stop business with a company that was using child labor. And that's frustrating because I like my phone and you don't want to, how does that affect me, right? I felt kind of like conflicted in those things. Now, the reason I'm asking this is because it's important for understand good news, what we call gospel, for it to take place, it has to take place in the life that we are living. It has to take place in the world that we are living in. And what we need to do is be aware that if we believe God is bringing good news to us, it is going to have to show up in these areas as well as you know here at church on a Sunday kind of a thing. And it's important to understand that our emotional response is one of the ways that God's spirit speaks to us. God's spirit connects to us. And we need to, we went through a series where we talked about this and the first step was detecting, right? Detecting is how you're feeling. What does this news provoke in you? How are you going to respond? Are you quick to move away from the emotion to just try and find a solution, right? And if it's a solution that's too big for us, something like what happened to Tyree Nichols, we can't fix it. So what is our solution? You know, we'll tune into something else, right? We'll watch, you know, I, gosh, I don't know what to watch anymore, right? We'll watch something to numb us from watching. I was going to say the lives of the rich and famous, but that, it's like, man, how long ago was that? <laughs> and I never even watched it. So we, we just try to sedate our minds basically with other things or we'll play a game on our phone and we try and move away from what is happening because we don't want 
to deal with it and, and talk about it. And so we have to understand that those emotions are a way for us to detect something is going on. We call them kairos movements. They're, they're moments in time that are significant. They're not just sequential. It's not just a chronology. It's a, a moment that is significant to us. And we need to step into that. And after we detect it, we talked about having to dig into what is going on. And, and we dig and ask questions of that emotion of that Kairos moment, whether it be seeing someone laying on the street, watching a news report, interaction with something that is causing this emotional, even a, a conversation with a spouse or friend that maybe you get upset about, detect that. Why? And we want to dig into it w- with compassionate curiosity. Right? We, we want to be compassionate about that and understand that God is most fully going to meet us where we really are. And and so digging into why those things happen allows us to step into the reality of where we are because really that's where God is going to be in the reality of where we are. He's not in this idea of everything's, you know, hunky-dory, there's another term, where does that one come from? But when we explore the emotions we are experiencing, we also are aware that God is near. He's near to the reality we are living in. If I'm angry, that's not good or bad, right, in itself. That is simply how we are feeling. The question then comes is, what does it mean? Why am I feeling that way? Why does my emotion go towards anger? Why does my emotion go towards frustration? Why does it go towards helplessness? Why am I going to this place? We start to ask these questions. It's so interesting that Jesus's interaction with people throughout the scripture is mostly in questions. There's only three times that Jesus answered someone directly. All the other times, he responds with a question, which I find interesting. Why? Why is he asking questions? He, he isn't trying to get just more information. He's trying to get kind of to the heart of what's going on within the people. So when James and John, their mothers take them over to Jesus and say, hey, our sons want to talk to you. And, they, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? They say, well, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand when the kingdom comes. And notice he doesn't shut him down. He goes, man, you guys, what kind of question is that? Get in the back, right? He doesn't say anything like that. He is open to hear where they really are at because that's who he really cares about. And so the question is meant to push deeper into the person or the rich young ruler. Why do you call me good? Good teacher, why are you calling me good? He's trying to get to the person and understand what's your motive here in this conversation? What are you really wanting to understand? What about Peter after his betrayal and after the resurrection? And he asked, Peter, do you love me? See, he's reaching in to someplace deeper 
and inquiring what is happening within you because that's what he cares about. That's what he always cares about. He doesn't care about the superficial acts that the Pharisees would you know, posture and do. He cared about what was really going on within them. And so the questions he asked are an invitation for us to also ask these questions. He knew that until people could name where they really were, they could not receive the kingdom of God. So he is ruthless about getting to the heart of things. That's what he cares about. And we usually ask questions to get answers. Jesus asked questions to confront the listener with their own thoughts, their own process, preconceptions, and beliefs. He was asking questions to get them to understand where they were. And how can we really turn towards God if we don't accept where we really are first? Then it's a facade. We're shallow. We're we're playing the actor. We're playing the hypocrite. And we have to accept that where we are and what we're feeling and then add to those things a self, not only a self-awareness, but a, an awareness that God is there as well and is very present in the same experience that we are having. He is aware of the anger. He is aware of the frustration. He is aware of the fear. And, and it's not wrong to admit that I'm afraid. It's not wrong to admit that I'm angry. It's not wrong to admit that you are feeling a certain way. It is the truth. And that is where God is going to meet us, is in that truth. God wants to challenge our view of reality and be a part of it. Why do you think you responded that way? Why did you respond to helplessness or, or just wanting to tune out? Why did that happen and move you in that direction? What, what makes you upset about this? When you see the violence happening, what, what makes you upset? Why are you angry? Because that's unjust, because Those with power shouldn't treat those without power like that. And and that's kind of what's happening in me. And so that's naming that feeling and and it's stepping into something a little bit closer. Now, can you see how even something like that brings us a little bit closer to maybe where the kingdom of God actually is? Maybe the reason you're angry is because maybe God is angry too about that. Maybe the reason you're sad is because it is a sad event. And that's the proper emotion to deal with these things. You know, someone who I know is very ill and asking for prayer, but their prayer, it seemed very, oh, don't worry about me. Just pray that this will bring my kids to come to know Jesus. And it's like, that seems detached from where you really are. It seems like you're not actually dealing with the emotions of everything that you're feeling. You're just trying to spiritualize it to make it something instead of embracing the fact that, you know, you could die. And I know you care about your children, but also you're feeling things. Aren't you afraid? Because it's okay, even if you're a Christian, to be afraid of dying, by the way. It's okay. And so let's not shut ourselves down. Let's not gaslight ourselves in these areas. It's a prayerful activity of talking to God 
about who we really are. We want to get beneath the calculating, the analyzing, the fixing, the controlling, that mind that always wants to be in charge and come to a place and just say, you know what, this is just what I'm experiencing. And before we move to trying to fix it, we sit in the fact that this is what I'm feeling and it's there for a reason. And I'm not going to quickly brush it off. I'm not going to quickly move on. It's good to sit in that feeling. I remember working in a class one time where people were sharing some difficult things. And as we were with the group, you know, whenever someone would stand up and start to share something, someone would want to go and comfort them. And the leader would say, you're interrupting their emotion. Let them cry. Let them feel Let them express. Don't try to console them too quickly before you allow them to experience what's going on. And I think we do that with ourselves so many times. I'm feeling this way. Got to fix it. Got to do this. Instead of sitting in it, digging in it and saying, maybe this is something that's happening. It's more about contemplation than calculation, more about awareness than analysis, more surrender than study, more receiving from God than achieving for him, more encounter than explanation, more submission than control, more imagination than interrogation, more pondering than prescription, more allowing what emerges than engineering a solution. Because this is more in line with how God is going to do a work within us instead of shutting it down and just going to fix it. And and then what we have to do is we start detecting these things. We have to discern what is happening. Because oftentimes what happens is there is the bad news at work underneath the surface. And what I mean by that is the bad news that we discern are, are the lies that we seek our or trust in. They are the things that we want to do to take control. And often these lies move us to action without reflection. The bad news is I just got to do it. I don't want to feel it. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, in other words, unless it goes beyond it, it's deeper, then you will not enter the kingdom of God. He didn't mean that you had to do more things. He meant that what is happening has to be doing more in you. And you see, this is what the lie is. I'm just going to fix it by doing something instead of allowing it to do something in me first and realize what's happening. We can strive to correct doctrine. We can can have the and behave correctly and still completely miss the kingdom of God. That's what the Pharisees were doing in conflict with Jesus. They knew the scripture. They knew how to keep the law. They knew all these things, and yet they were far from him because they weren't being real, genuine to what was happening within them. We really hate you, Jesus, because you're getting more attention than us. They didn't go there. They just wanted to shut him down. And so what we want to do, unless we get our desires and our motivations and our wants, we often will miss the bad news that runs our lives. Unless we're honest with what's happening in us, we can be dishonest in how we move forward. We desire security. 
I want to know that I'm going to have enough. How can I feel safe? And we can reduce our lives to what we have. I'm secure if I have enough. We desire to belong. We want to be connected to people or to a group. And so we need approval and affection. And the fear of not being enough, thinking that I am what others think of me. And so we present ourselves in a dishonest way so that we can belong. See, that's the lie. We desire significance, the need for control, the the need to be important. I am what I do, and so I need to work harder so I can be more important, so I can get the recognition that I want, because I want to be significant. And so I go about it in a way that is a lie. And that's where we have to have that discernment. What we have, what others think, and what we do, they're all important, but they're not at the core of who we are, right? These are all idols that that promise us something. They promise us something that really only God can deliver. What can you do to be secure that can't be taken away, whether it's you lose a job or you lose your health? You, You don't have that security, and so we have to recognize that these are lies and they're stories that we believe that carry a false promise. And so I want to look at something that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. When he stepped into this place of temptation. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from there. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Before this temptation in chapter 3, In verse 22, Jesus had the affirmation, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The temptation wasn't to take Jesus away from his mission. The temptation was to implement his mission in the wrong way. To do the right thing 
in the wrong way. And so much of the New Testament is really about the misuse of power. And what we see in Rome, which is what the book of Revelation is about, what we see in the religious leaders throughout the gospel. And we see the temptation is for Jesus to do what the world around him is doing to have power. God's power is only given to those who have God's character. And that's the lesson of the cross. After the crucifixion and the resurrection, when Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Why? Because the cross was the means to get to this power. It was sacrificial love. God only gives his power to those who have his character. He's not going to give power to someone who will assert authority over, rule over the way that they were being ruled over by the Romans or by their religious leaders. The ends cannot justify the means if they aren't connected. If the end is to be truly beautiful, then the means have to be beautiful too. In fact, the means are the end in the process of becoming. And the power and authority that Jesus had at the end was shown by example of a cross. Discern if there's anger without love. Discern if there's hostility without hope. If there is disconnect between doing good and doing it in a good way. We want to discern if there is bad news trying to take over our reaction to the emotions that we're feeling. We want to get even. We want to get revenge. We want to see them suffer the way we suffered. Yeah, you might be feeling angry. Yeah, you might be feeling embittered. How are you going to proceed? But what we want to do more than just discern maybe the the bad news that is trying to move us in a direction is we want to declare to that bad news the good news. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, Who appointed me a judge over or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Rich towards God, man, what does that mean? All right, because that's kind of a key thought here. 
This, this again has to do with character. This parable isn't saying that we shouldn't invest, but that life is more than just what we have. That the security that we desire will not be found in uncertain riches. The security that we long for is something that is going to be found somewhere else. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is where we are going to find security. You won't live by bread alone. And from the mouth of God, we hear that you are his child. We start to see a security developed in the relationship. The belonging we crave is found in the relationship that God gives us, that we are one, even as Jesus and his father are one. The significance that we want isn't based on what we do, but on who we are. So Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hair of your heads are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The tragedy of our life is that we keep forgetting who we are. And we try to find security apart from the one who gives life. We, we try to find significance in the things that we do instead of the person that we have been created to be. And so the good news is that as we remember, we move towards God's kingdom with God's character. And so we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. We affirm the image of God in one another and try to pull that image of God up within each other that gives us the things that we need. We want to allow the emotions we feel to speak to us about the reality of who God is and give us the direction that we pursue. We want the good news to speak into our lives in the middle of all the bad news that we hear, that God is not far, that he is near. And you think of when you go through a a, a difficult time, when you feel like piece of crap, right? When you feel like, man, I'm just not very holy. I, I'm not very, quote, spiritual. I, 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 I blew up at my kids. I lost my temper. I did something I shouldn't. And, and you just have this condemnation over you. How do you declare good news to that when you feel like I'm, I'm not loved, I'm not wanted? I'm not significant. Again, Jesus does this with Peter in John 21. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat 
But that night they caught nothing. Now, try to imagine what's taking place in Peter here. Try to put yourself in in his shoes and understand maybe some of the things he is thinking, right? What do you think he's feeling? Detect those things. Do you think he's telling? What do you think he's feeling? This is after he's denied Jesus. There's been signs that he's risen again and he's going fishing. What's going on in his mind? What do you think? Sorrow. Sorrow. Hopelessness, shame, Shame. right? All all these things, like maybe condemned, I'm lost. I was, this was going to be my life, but it's not anymore. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to what I was doing. I was fishing. I'm going to go back to fishing, right? I I need security. I thought I had security here, but now I'm going to go back to where I had security, And then why do you think he's feeling that way, right? It's what he did. It's what he said. It's the fact that Jesus isn't with him right now and he's not with Jesus. Yeah, Jesus appeared to us, but things aren't the same because of what I did. And so then we discern what is the bad news that Peter is telling himself? I blew it. It's over, right? I can't be a disciple. Who knows? But these are all things that I can imagine him feeling because they're things that I've felt. People aren't going to listen to what I have to say. Not after I deny Jesus. I'm what others think of me. I need to go back and provide for myself the way I used to. I'm going to begin to find my life again because I am what I have. I I have to find that security again back in the things I did. Continuing in verse four. Oops, I didn't write it down. Hold on a second while I get there. (laughs) Verse four, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they asked answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard them say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Let's stop there for a second. They get back and there's a fish with some bread on it. Jesus is making them breakfast. You think going back to fishing is going to provide what you need? It's not. They've caught nothing. But Jesus says the right side of the boat is where it's happening. I don't know what's different on the right side than the left side. I'm not a fisherman, but to me, the water is the water. But something else is going on, right? See, there's something being told here in this story. You, you are trying to provide for yourself, but really, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am what your provision is. 
you think that Jesus doesn't love you because of what you've done. And Jesus not only sets a place at his table for you, but he serves you. You think you're useless. And then Jesus is going to commission Peter to feed my sheep. Jesus speaks good news to Peter's need for security, significance, and belonging. And and remember, good news needs to be news, not advice, right? Advice focuses on behavior, how to fix or manage the situation. News is a report of something that is true and real. The truth is you are still loved. The truth is I will still provide for you. The truth is I still have work for you to do. That's not advice. That's just how it is in the reality of God dressing what happened with Peter. Good news needs to be personal, not just an idea, right? An idea is places all the emphasis on thinking. Just think more about it and you will believe it. But good news is a declaration from God to you. It's not think about something more. It's about what God is thinking and recognizing that that's his declaration to you. Good news includes me, but isn't all about me. It's about God and what he's doing to restore the world. The good news catches me up in God's story rather than tries to fit God into my story. You see, God was always wanting to be close to Peter. That never changed. Peter's story changed. And now he's wondering, how do I get God back in my story? And God's saying, no, you've got this backwards. You're still in my story right where you are and your shame and all the guilt that you're feeling. You're still in my story. But I got to tell you, the good news is that that's a lie. The good news that that isn't the truth. That's not how I see you. Sit down at my table. Let's eat. Let's talk. Do you love me? What's he doing? Did he not know? He's wanting Peter to know. What's really inside of you? And it's so amazing in that discourse with Peter where Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you have this unconditional sacrificial love for me? How can I say yes after I've denied you? Lord, you know that I love you. And the word he uses is phileo. And he asked him again, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter's just troubled. And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. I I am so fond of you. You mean so much to me. But I don't know if I have that sacrificial love of you in my heart anymore. After what I've did, I just don't know. And then Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? And he breaks because he asked him the third time. And he says, you know I do. And Jesus is saying, I'll take you right there. I don't need you to be somewhere you're not. I need you to be where you are because that's where I really am. The good news reaches into the reality of where we are in the emotions we're actually feeling and the bad news that we're telling us, it declares the good news of what God really thinks of us and wants of us. Good news is about what we already have in Christ. Good news will sound like something Jesus would say to someone he loves. 
In the world, you're going to have trouble. But take courage. I've overcome the world. I can relate to that. Hey, I'm with you. Even to the end of the age. I can hold on to that. And then good news often sounds like a conversation more than a theological discourse. Pick up your mat and go home. That was the good news for the paraplegic. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I need to have dinner with you at your house tonight. That was good news. The woman at the well, hey, give me something to drink. To the disciples, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Sit down, have breakfast with me. Those are all declarations of good news. And they're all just conversations of Jesus with the people he loves. Remember that God cares about all these things that we're experiencing, that we're reading, that we're witnessing more than we do. So we want to surrender to what God is already doing and align ourselves with him. Remember, Jesus started by saying, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here with you. It's actually within you. Repent is, this is who God is and who we are because of who God is. Believe, this is how we respond to that reality. See, I hear the word repent and my mind goes back to my tradition. Okay, I got to stop drinking. I got to stop having sex. I got to stop doing all these things. That's repentance. But repentance is change your mind and see life the way God sees it, that the kingdom of God is here right now. Repenting and believing is basically trusting the outward display of trust in how you live your life. If you really believe the kingdom of God is near, then live in accordance to what you're thinking. We often think of repentance as an outward activity and believe as an inward activity. It's like a cognitive assent to an idea. We, we agree with something and think that means we believe it. And a large part of this is because of our language and, and how we communicate. Say, I can say, I believe the earth is round. I believe that water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. But you see, that doesn't require any trust on my part. I don't have to trust that the world is round. I I just think that. And so believe is different because it's requiring me to actually trust in these things. And when we say, oh, I believe that Jesus loves me or Jesus died for my sins, is it just like I believe the world is round? Do I really have to trust in that? Or is it just something that I think? I believe that God created the universe, but that doesn't really require us to trust God with our lives. And instead, it ends up contributing to our distorted idea about faith, which is disconnected from our everyday lives, habits, and relationships. Think or belief or faith as a mental conviction worked out in an embodied way. So when I say I believe something, it is a mental conviction that works itself out in an embodied demonstration. I believe my wife loves me because she shows that love to me. 
I trust that. I can see that. To believe something is to act as if it's true. Do you believe it's safe to fly? Well, then you step on an airplane. Do you believe the kingdom of God is here? Then you live as if it is in every facet of your life. And that's good news. Because it shows up with us wherever we are at any time. Let's pray. Father, I desire to live in the reality of your presence. And I know that I have to relearn so many things. Gospel and good news used to be so distant and so detached from my life. It was all about what you did for me so long ago, but it really was not about what you are doing in my life every day, the conversations that you have with me through my experiences. And I need the good news to be here at this time while our loved ones are in hospitals, while there is chaos in the world, while there's violence and so many things going on, what we need is good news to be present with us, a recognition of the reality that the kingdom of God is near. And when our hearts break, oftentimes it is just a reflection that your heart is breaking too. And thank God our hearts break for these things, God. Our prayer is that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we want to lean into that with our whole lives and our whole experience. I pray for those who are going through difficult times, Lord, and need good news where they are at. Father, may they dig into the emotions they are feeling. May, may they discern the bad news, the condemnation, the lies maybe they're being told, and may they declare the good news that you are there present with them and for them. And then it may it lead us to actually believe and trust in you for our lives where they're at. God, we so need this. I so need this. We desire it for each other as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I look forward to my favorite time of our morning here together when we talk and have question and dialogue afterwards. And so I hope you guys have some thoughts about all the things that were said here. But for those who can't be here, and in closing, may you believe that God cares about you where you really are and have the courage to meet God there every day of your life because that is the good news. He is present. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. 
You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.